Stand and deliver. Hello and welcome to the Stand and Deliver comedy podcast. Thank you for downloading this. It's been so long since I've done one of these. It, it, it's quite ridiculous. But for some reason, and uh, well, thankfully, people have still been downloading these podcasts all the way through lockdown. So if uh, the people that just kept downloading our old episodes, thank you very much. Maybe it's just one of my mates uh, trying very subtly to boost my self-esteem. But either way, you, you deserve a, a, a thanks and uh, uh, probably a high five. Don't worry, I'll, I'll wash my hand before before making contact with yours. Uh, so this is a podcast attached to the Stand and Deliver Comedy Club. Yes, we are still a comedy promotion, and yes, we still reside in Reading, and we will not be giving up quite that easily. Uh, what's happened since uh, I last spoke to you? My last guest, in fact, the last time I did this was, I think it was, I think it was during the first lockdown. And um, my guest was Izzy Lawrence. What's happened since then? Well, we're we're back in another lockdown. And yeah, it, it's gone from bleak to bleakest to even bleakerer, I think, is the outlook. But we're, we will be back. Uh, the, the whole point of this podcast is to give you a peep behind the curtain into the weird world of stand-up comedy. Behind the scenes at my comedy club, we talk to uh, uh, some of the most interesting people we've had through the doors of our club. Metaphorical doors, of course, because we've been running outdoor shows. <laughs> uh, I should just get like a fake door from a, 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 like a stage set at some point. That'd be quite funny, wouldn't it? COVID has done a lot of very weird things to comedy. It's made us do things that we that I just have been I never would have done or never would have wanted to do prior to this. You just say yes to any gig now because there are so few gigs, and also cabaret seating is now normal as that's the only way you can do social distancing. And I used to hate so uh, that sort of thing because traditionally it was it's easier to make people laugh if they're all in one group because people are very much a herd the laughter spreads around the room uh, and unfortunately so does covid so now everyone has to do cabaret seating but what a big difference i've found uh, since uh, gigs reopened at the end of the first lockdown audiences have been so keen because if you have to track and trace in some cases if you're inside wear a face mask go for all this rigmarole you are blooming committed to the cause of having an excellent time. Uh, so I mean, in many respects, uh, in my experience, it's made audiences a lot nicer. And you've got sort of the hardcore comedy fans as opposed to the people who were there to get drunk and just happened to buy tickets to a comedy club. The most striking thing this whole bizarre situation has done is right after the first lockdown was lifted, it drove comedy promoters with their shows outdoors. You weren't allowed to perform indoors, um, which, which has all been rather bizarre. And I've been no exception. I've been, uh, I've, I've had to found, in fact, I've been very, very lucky. I found an absolutely incredible outdoor venue. Uh, if you're listening and you're one of my regulars, you'll know exactly what I've talked about. Or I'm talking about because you would have been to this place possibly twice to see my shows. I'll tell you more about what happened and where this amazing place is in just a minute but first i should probably give you a rundown of what's happening on the podcast right now i'm talking i'm sitting in the living room of my uh, rented house which used to be a a pub it's been converted in rather a weird way with the largest room which should be a lovely bedroom 
just being left for attic space of a weird hatch um and uh, i've got some amazing oak timbers above my head so it's slightly echoey this house is i think about 200 years old at least um so that's fun and we are going to have a chat with my guest this week who will be dan collins he is a comedian he's also joined standard deliver to be my chief of staff uh, i haven't told him that there's only him as a staff member but it's a greatly inflated job title myself and dan are going to go through uh, the last two outdoor shows that Stand and Deliver did after its great return. But first, talking of outdoor comedy, uh, we're going to hear from Jonathan Elston. He's, uh, you might want to go back to an old episode where we interviewed Jonathan. He's a veteran comedian and promoter, been running uh, gigs in Reading for around about six, seven years now at a bar called Milk. Unfortunately, he, he, could, he was succumbed to the same problem as me. The room t- is too small when you take into account social distancing. So he also took to the great outdoor doors he um set up at a pub called the admiral cunningham in bracknell and i went along straight after lockdown in the summer nathan caton was headlining it was absolutely wonderful i was in heaven i had table service in a pub garden and some amazing comedy uh so here's what happened when i caught up with jonathan immediately after the gig and we talked all things outdoor comedy this is the stand and deliver comedy podcast with rodders first time uh, we've done comedy as venue uh, the main reason we chose it was because of its massive garden which gave us the ability to make it socially distanced and safe and uh, good for the comedians there was still a reasonable number of people in despite the social distancing which is it felt like a proper proper event rather than something that we were rather than something that was weird and cobbled together because I've been to some gigs where capacity has been capped at 30 odd and it all feels a bit like well this is better than not going out but it's still not how it used to be whereas this felt a bit of a a festival vibe because it was outside that's very kind of you uh we sold 50 tickets we kept the capacity of 50 uh we had room to put more in uh but we were for the first one uh, we were me and mark were very conscious social distance wanted to make sure there was no problems we wanted to make sure our audience and our comedians were safe that was our our first thoughts and i agree it was nice with managed to get so many people in a garden feel close like it was and it felt very much like a real gig and didn't feel too indifferent from being indoors because if they're put in the right places, the tables and the seats, two metres isn't that weird, as long as they're not all strung out. If you put them in like... They're sort of in a semicircle, which makes them feel closer, even though they're not. And I think that kind of stuff's... It's hard enough laying a gig out as it is in a weird-shaped place, but now with two metres apart and everything, that makes stuff very difficult. Did you have to turn up a bit early, work out where everything was going to go? Was it all done by the pub? No, uh, me and Mark turned up here at half four. Uh, we Obviously, the venue were very supportive, uh, but we literally went and grabbed every table and every chair and placed it uh, two metres, one metres. We were doing our Truckle Brother impressions. We were carrying all the tables through, uh, and it took a lot of effort, um, but we're really happy with the outcome. Awesome. So this wasn't your first gig back in five months, was it? No. Was, okay. Where was that? Uh, no, uh, it's my third one. Uh, the Black Horse Aylston, which I obviously also book and run uh, in Leicester. So we've done two there and we had one running tonight as well. So I actually was had two shows booked on a Monday during this weird lockdown bit. So got to be happy to be busy. I've booked one gig since, done one gig since all this lot kicked off. And I found that people, they... I think it's given people a slightly renewed appreciation for just anything to do that's entertaining. So I was really worried because I was doing a gig at basically someone's house party in their garden. I thought, well, this is going to be a nightmare. But it wasn't. Are you finding people more appreciative? 
I think I think they are. I think they're very happy to have stuff to do. I think we're in a weird side now where people about a month ago were desperate to do anything, but now the, as more the lockdown reduces, uh, more people can do more things. There will be a point soon where people that that will that shine will go away, and it's just about making sure we're providing the the right product. And I think that will that will keep people coming out, not just novelty factor. So obviously winter's coming, so outdoor gigs are going to be out the window, and they've just let people do gigs inside with social distancing. Where do you feel comedy's going? Because it's very hard to plan ahead with bills and stuff when you're worried about the the rules changing or what could happen next. Uh, I don't know anything more than anyone else. I think we've got to take it gig by gig, uh, and obviously it's great news that we can start moving indoors we've just got to make sure it's safe from a personal perspective I'm not going to be an early adopter of indoors uh, I'm going to let other people uh, do that and I'm going to try and um, uh, magpie some best practice uh, and I'm just very conscious of the safety element and make sure that everything's done the best possible way it can be Awesome, so how was it tonight though? Because we had a great lineup. It was an of headlining, Chelsea Berkby in the middle, and Mott Palmer opened your MCing. Was it good to be back on stage? Yeah, it's great. That's why we all love doing it. You mm-hmm. know, I think a lot of comedians got an appreciation of that during lockdown. For a lot of people, it's been a job for a long time, and that lends a certain level of complacency that uh, most performers will have, even if they don't care to admit that they do. Uh, so I think, like a lot of people, the pure joy of making people laugh uh, is in itself payment enough. But I'm also happy that I made some money as well. Awesome. I found people saying, "Oh, lockdown gave me lots of time to write," but I was too bored to write and fed up with it all did you could you write or do anything productive with that or uh i felt i had until i watched nathan kate and do 25 minutes of topical <laughs> yes uh I, i've written a few bits uh again i imagine i have a fairly sh- a short shelf life in the sense of they're all you know they're all stuff even stuff at the start of lockdown now feels like a long time ago um but I, like a lot of comics have written some stuff how long it will last or how good it is compared to the bankers will we'll only poor go- audiences and gardens will have to find out Awesome. Cheers, Jonathan. Best of luck with the next one. You too. Cheers, Waters. This is the Stand and Deliver Comedy Podcast. So that was Jonathan Elston. Anyway, it's time to bring on our guest for today's podcast. We're going to do a review of the last two Stand and Deliver shows. Um, he is Dan Collins. He's an actor and he had a fringe show called Murder for Beginners. Uh, Dan, welcome to the Stand and Deliver Comedy Podcast. Hello, Rodders. And you're also my, my chief of staff. Yeah, that happened out of nowhere. You just kind of moved into my house and then... Enslaved you. I mean... (laughs) Indoctrinated me into the ways of stand and deliver. Exactly. So uh, this is the man that uh, (laughs) caused a scene at the first show and showed you to to your seats at the second show. Uh, So should we we start... Where where to start with uh, talking over these uh, shows? I'm so glad that the comedy club is back. But let's start with the venue, the Jolly Anglers, right on the River Kennet. It used to be pretty much like an old man's pub just on the river. And during lockdown, uh, the people running it, Jamal and Valentina, just went, oh, we're bored. Let's buy a swimming pool of gum tree and turn it into some the whole outdoor, uh, like the garden area, into basically the Costa del Sol transplanted into Reading. I mean, is it, would, that, would that be an adequate description? I, 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 you, light on the Costa del Sol and very heavy on the Reading, but yeah, that's basically what it is. It's a hole in the ground. They've they've ra- rolled some tiles through it quite nicely, and it has water. You could swim in it theoretically. 
Yeah, you could. I think Jamal has been in there, but it, it is just amazing because there's there's all sorts of weird lighting, there's decking, and it is like when the the summer's good, like when the when the weather's good, and you take photos there, it does almost look like you're abroad somewhere sunny and nice. Until you see the the gasworks in the background and the <laughs> council estate lining the edges, yeah. <laughs> yes. If you, if you take those photographs and you have great Photoshop skills, then yeah, you could be abroad. Yeah, the the Costa Costa del uh, Reading. Uh, and to be honest, I have to give give credit where credit is due. Here it was my girlfriend Jordan's idea to run a show there because we we went there. I first went there for drinks. Um, straight after lockdown because i saw the sun article uh, and the lad bible article uh, about the wacky garden and i thought this just can't be real and i went there and i was amazed by it and uh she was like oh you, you should do a show i was like i was like no a show will never work here it's it's chaotic it's there's too much stuff all over the place i mean it's not not a not a, an environment a performer could thrive in uh but this is comedy post-covid one that just needs to get on with things i'm, I'm glad we did what was your first what when you first went there you, you came with me to a pub quiz didn't you to, to survey i think that was the first time yeah did you I, did you I look at this place. and thought yes this is conducive to art i had no idea where the stage was going to be or where anything was going to happen there's no distinct clear proportions to any of the ground at all although the bit that the clue for me was it has actually been set up so you can watch football on the big outdoor screen across the swimming pool so i thought as long as we put the um the the acts that side of the swimming pool the furniture is at least pointing the right direction yeah, I mean, yeah, they've given you they've given you that, and it's quite nice to perform with a moat in front of you if you have like a superiority complex. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we are honestly, it was the best for social distancing because for get two meters, I had a swimming pool between myself and the audience, so there was a no risk of contamination at all. In fact, um, it's the only gig I've, uh, that's been promoted where the risk of dry of uh, drowning is higher than the risk of catching anything. You did look like you were going to fall in, though. You feigned falling in, and I nearly had a heart attack. I, I mainly did that just to annoy you, yeah. After seeing you write the risk assessments and knowing how stressful it was, I thought I wanted that to pay off in some way. It would be a shame if you assessed all those risks and none of them happened. You're very much that I'm the, the frantic one, and you're the slightly calmer one, I would think, when it comes to running these things. I'm usually running around with, with high blood pressure, and you're like, no, oh, it'd be fine. I was like, well, <laughs> guess it will have to be. <laughs> I like to think of it as you take on the stress for both of us. Yes, <laughs> I'm like stress Jesus. I, I take on everyone's stress so they uh, don't have to bother with it. That's how it works, isn't it? Yes, you, you stress for our sins. Yes. Very much so. <laughs> so let's go through the lineup. Uh, who did we have? Opening, we had uh, Mark Simmons, who was like a surprise last minute announcement. Uh, straight off Mock the Week, straight to the Garden of the Jolly Anglers. Uh, we then had Stella Graham. We had yourself. And our headliner was Marlon Davis. I was emceeing. Um and to be honest with you, like, because it's it's such a palaver running an outdoor gig and something that was new and someone that's never had comedy before, the least stressful part for me was getting up on stage. Because most of the audience were my regulars. I just felt, felt like, oh, I'm home once I got up on the stage slash decking where I, I was in fear of falling in the, in the pool. But that was the least stressful bit for me, to be honest. I thought the crowd were great fun. I mean, we had, uh, was it was it Paul and his harem? 
Oh, the guy's right front and centre. Yeah, I mean, that was handy, surely, for an MC perspective to it, it was. have so much bait laid out in front I, of you I'll, to I'll talk see, to. I'll see these women. Oh, how do you... There were four women sitting with... with there was like three women sitting with one guy and we were like, oh, how do you all know each other? And, we're like, and they all said, we, we've all been on a date with Paul. <laughs> so I don't know what was going on. I think our, uh, <laughs> our comedy club turned into a sleazy post-COVID dating Thing. I don't think it was sleazy. I think it was very sweet and romantic that they've all dated the one man and then they've all come back for a second date. Presum- I don't know if there was one of them was still dating him. Did you ever find that out? I know. I didn't have time because I, I think it would have taken up the whole show, to be honest. Maybe I mean, he was about to go on a date with a fourth woman and they all came to like talk up his confidence. I mean, uh, each to their own. And as long as everyone's on the same page, polyamory is fine. But how would you have... The, it must be exhausting, right? Must be, <laughs> like, Paul looked like... Well, apart from being... He was bald, wasn't he? That's he how was, he lost he, his hair. He fits all the stereotypes. Lost his hair through stress. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't know how anyone even can manage a calendar with more than one relationship, let alone actually manage... <laughs> <laughs> manage three-plus relationships. Because remember, guys, the most important relationship is the one you have with yourself. That's why I actually married myself last year. I'm now Mr. and Mrs. Rodri. How close are you to filing for divorce? <laughs> Very close. I'm uh, one one more lockdown away, I think. <laughs> uh, Mark Simmons was all right, though, and he was very good. I mean, he was great. And it's, it's nice that he came from Rock the Week, did a show in a in a pub garden that's with a makeshift swimming pool, and then is straight back on Mock the Week throughout this lockdown. He was on the other night, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was lovely about the, the way he did it. He just, like, everyone turned up and they were like, I can't believe this. He was taking photos. He, he put some pictures up on his Instagram of this me standing by the pool looking gormless and him going, here's my gig tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and But he, he didn't let it phase him. He just got on with it. Um Though he did have to acknowledge the weirdness when uh, we're right by a train line, which is very loud. So one of his punchlines was interrupted by probably the, um, it must have been the uh, 1643 to um, uh, London Paddington, I believe. It's it's all right, I've just been doing this job a long time and obviously this is a weird setting, but if you do one-liners, if there's any sort of movement or distraction while you do it, people don't laugh. So I'm just waiting for sort of any movements and trains. Really going in my favour right now. Um, we're going to get through it. We're getting through it. This is this is the time we live in now. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I've done loads of weird gigs. Um, I did a car park gig. Yeah, has anyone seen those ones? You, 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 so is it, everyone's in their cars, and then the, the, the sound will go through their radio. And you, so you do a joke, and if they like it, they beep <laughs> their horn. And it's, it's really weird to start with, but after a while, you do get used, like you see, to a rhythm. If you get used to a, a beep, mean, and a laugh, right? On the way home, I cut some bloke up. He found it hilarious. So he was good. Um, Stella was was excellent, and also she was at the very first stand and deliver. So uh, she's seen it evolve. So, so she outdoors. was the first indoors and the first outdoors. Yes, yeah, exactly. So and if you do a gig in a doorway or like on the threshold of a building, she's also got to be at that one too. I should. Inter- I don't know why I've never interviewed Stella. It's a right oversight of mine because uh, uh, she's excellent because she's just kind of unflappable. Nothing really phases her. I think the the, the 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 closest I've seen her to looking phased or bothered is she just looks slightly annoyed <laughs> and then just sort of. I mean, 
a bomb could go off and she'd just be like, eh, thanks guys. Like she just wouldn't care. Somebody said to me recently, they went, oh, don't you have a resting bitch face? <laughs> and I was like, look, I went, this is not resting. I went, this is an active <laughs> fuck off face, all right? Like, I've put work into this. Like, seriously, I've never been mugged. I've also never been served quickly at a bar. <laughs> because nobody wants to help this. <laughs> I know. It's a terrible poker face as well, because people are like, does she have a full house or a knife? <laughs> like, if you, if you have a bitch face, right, this is why I've been loving the COVID mask. Because now you can just go around and, and nobody knows, you know, you can just roll around like <laughs> And just for shits, I drew a smile on it. <laughs> and it was all good to be have like uh, actual green room chat again, wasn't it? Because we had an area behind the outside bar and the TV screen. Yeah, the green which room, was, yeah. Which was, a, well, there was a bar, Jamal set up a barbecue for us. That was, that was low. <laughs> it looked like a sacrificial pit from some kind of temple. There was just a massive cauldron-sized barbecue that he lit halfway through the performance. So I think it was when Mark was on stage, you could just see this black smoke billowing out from behind the TV. Oh, I missed that. I would I would have been uh, worrying about the pub burning down. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yes. <laughs> I've never seen someone get heckled in smoke signals before. No, that is very inventive. All, all by a train, in fact. Um, but yeah, we and the headliner Marlon Davis uh, as well. Like, amazing, another TV name turning up in a in a garden in Reading. And uh, as well, he, he the the professional performers and the experienced performers they will perform anywhere as if they are on the TV. They'll just get on and do it. Because you have to. I mean, there, there's there's nowhere to go to record for TV anymore these days. You've got a COVID's locked us all down. You have to enjoy every gig. As if it was the pinnacle of your career. Because I saw him at um, I saw him at Jonathan Elston's gig, um, and yeah, a, a couple of because I've been to two of Jonathan's outdoor shows, and the second one I went to, uh, Marlon Davis was headlining, and it just seems like he thinks it's mad, but he just rolls with it. Uh, I, I think the first thing Marlon said when he got on our stage slash decking inverted commas uh, was he goes, "This is definitely illegal, isn't it?" And they say it's a swimming pool. That's not. A, that's a bath. <laughs> it's a fucking bath and they put that there. <laughs> no one can go in that swimming pool. You just have to go in it by yourself, it? Like, Wow, I don't know. This like this ain't safe. Right? <laughs> Electricity near the water. What's going on? I don't know. This is a shack. This, okay. Right, they got right, they do have drinks in there, which is nice. Uh, there's ice cream over there, but there's no ice cream in it. <laughs> what is this? It feels like you can help me. This this is not safe. This is not safe. Something's gonna happen. And, Yeah, it's a style, I don't know, but like, we crack on anyway. We're just, we're just, we're just happy to be outside. That's what it is. We, we, we just are. We're like, yeah, go out there, go and do what you've got to do for me. It's great because um, I get to, to I speak for a living in
So <laughs> I was like, what do I do with my professional attention seeking? So <laughs> I've been hanging out toilets with that. Right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, you know, just like try to drop some, yeah, yeah, but no one really wants to know with jokes when you're, you know, in the toilet. <laughs> so I was like, well, you like it? Like, no, so you've got to work on the toilet humour. Because <laughs> 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 it did just look so, so potty, but once the, I've really felt that once the show got going, it didn't feel that different um, until you turned up and, and I think all hell broke loose. There was so much stuff to play with and to get distracted by. And I didn't want to do any of my jokes. I just wanted to talk about the, the fact that the decking wasn't nailed down for 10 minutes <laughs> and see how far I could surf the floor into the swimming pool. And, the, the, well, and then you had a, a stage invasion, which you exacerbated. That, that, that was that, fun. Was I felt like I was on a game show there. The two people that just wandered up got past uh, all the tight security that we had in place do go to the youtube channel uh, and watch that look up stand and deliver comedy or go to standanddelivercomedy.com click on s and d tv it's the uh, top of the youtube playlist so have a look and uh, what you'll see is uh, well what actually happened was that there was a, a drunk couple turned up uh, jamal the, the pub manager uh, was sort of fairly subtly trying to get rid of them uh, and uh, at which point you <laughs> to start talking to them and you were like oh what, what do you want and the, the drunk was trying to be reasonable um but having drunk far too much to be properly reasonable he goes i'm not complaining but i've been told i've got to leave <laughs> <laughs> and he, they just wanted to see the swimming pool so you got them up on stage and the really funny thing was although he was the drunker of the pair he seemed to have some awareness that there was an audience and everyone was watching him. Whereas the woman he was with just turned, it was just, oh yeah, it looks like quite a nice pool. Oh yeah, I'm glad we come here tonight. It's really nice. It's like she had <laughs> absolutely no awareness. Well, it was obvious they were going to stick around longer to chat about not getting to see the pool than if I just let them see the pool and then they would immediately leave. So I think, I think they'd have been there. They've been stood talking to Jamal, the owner, the entire gig, unless they got to see it. Probably, yeah, and it could have could have all kicked off. Um, but did you did you at the end when when he was he he finally conceded and, and left? Did you see the the very the Shakespearean bow he gave the audience? I don't think, I don't remember that. Yeah, no, no, I don't, he did, he did I'm, a, I'm proud of him if he, he did. He did, a, he did a very um, dramatic thespian's bow. I haven't seen that since. That's I, wonderful. I go if you've got the an theater. audience on a stage. Yeah. Milk it. It would be rude it. not to. So that's pretty much the show all summed up. It was warm. It was The weather was perfect. It was beautiful. It was a gorgeous day. The sun hung around as long as it could. Sold out gig too. Yeah, which I was... You like, haven't mentioned that? That you no, went two was, gigs and you sold, sold out, out both of them? Uh, yeah, that, that's excellent. It's, it's nice that... Um, the our regulars still remember the club and st- still have such an appetite for for live comedy. And in fact, uh, people are saying, "Oh, you've got to keep doing more there. If you go back I- inside, it will really lose something." I was like, um, "Yeah, I, I want to lose the threat of bad weather." <laughs> um, the, the, so the first show we did, the weather was absolutely beautiful. Um, the second show we did, kind of the opposite took place. We decided to do again against my better judgment. A Halloween special uh, where we went mad with the branding, put pumpkins everywhere, and um, we got my mate Will, uh, who uh, Will and one of his friends put up lighting because uh, it's difficult lighting 
that's the real only thing I was not very happy about at the first show. The workman's lights I put up were pretty <laughs> rubbish. And one of them, I think, was blinding a lady who was in the audience the whole night. It was night. my favourite favorite kink to work out because halfway through the first show, Jamal decided that the light wasn't hitting the performers. So I can't remember. Someone was on stage at the time, I think, and he snuck up behind them and moved a light and they just became a silhouette because he put the light directly behind them. It was very artistic. It was, it was nice. Shadow it was like, puppets. Yeah, it was like comedy at the start of a Hitchcock film. I was. I, I remember during one of my um, when I should have been introducing one of the acts. I was faffing with lighting, um, and it turned into kind of a physical comedy. And that's probably why we we finished the show a little bit late. But that was before they brought brought in this nonsensical 10 p.m. curfew. Uh, I mean, sorry. I mean, scientifically based, very good curfew because we all know. I mean, how did we? not know that at exactly 10 p.m. a well-run hygienic socially distanced restaurant or pub turns into a maniacal death trap i'm so grateful to our overlords for putting in the 10 p.m. curfew but it did mean we could finish the uh, before that was instated we could finish the first show a bit late and it wasn't a problem uh second show we had to run it a bit tighter though and my mate will did an amazing job with the lighting we had a floodlight on a pole um shining down on the on the stage area we had an uplighter down on the uh, and uh, down on the floor and the lineup was we had jake pickford who is a wonderful shambling hippie of a man uh, the delightful and terrifying nutter that is mr spooky uh we had sally firth and the headliner was clinton baptiste the you're right the, that's my impression of him uh, you're uh, <laughs> you're right god i hope he's not listening i've got certain powers um clinton baptiste from of course from peter gay's phoenix knights was our spooky headliner so when i was putting together the lineup for this i wanted character acts so we got sally firth this one she, it was all about her her <laughs> her uh, husband roger and how their marriage wasn't going too well oh, yeah. so that, that was fun but it was a bit like an alan bennett play <laughs> uh, but, but um sally is just uh excellent um she and the reason she's so good is because she got in a car and has driven around the whole country doing gong show after gong show after gong show. So that forces you, that makes you good, doesn't it? Like, Is that right? Is that what she did? She, yeah. I didn't know she was big yeah. on the gong shows. Yeah, that's what, how she's managed to get sort of so, that's why her set's kind of so punchy. You can sort of tell from the way it's put together that there's a laugh every, nothing's waffly. Yeah, it makes sense now to yeah, it's kind of like, engineer it. But. It's kind of a slow-paced storyteller style. But it's very punchy. Now I know, and some of you also know this, when you've, when you've been with the same person for a while, things can get a little stale in the uh, sex department, can't they? Now I was, I'm aware of that, but I was quite upset when Roger said to me one day, you are so predictable. Why don't you ever surprise me? Dress up or something. So the next day, when he got home from work, I did surprise him. I was wearing his mother's clothes. <laughs> he wasn't laughing. I always thought he wanted me to be a bit more like her, you see, but uh, it didn't go down well. I think it was too soon after the funeral. <laughs> now, if I'd known that Roger had a heart condition, I probably would have done that sooner. <laughs> But uh, the ambulance men were amazing. I take my hat off to them. It was Roger's mother's hat, obviously. <laughs> now, 
Now, some of you, the ones who weren't laughing, might think that was a bit unkind or, or even cruel, but Roger's been doing a number of things recently that really irritate me, like um, waking up. <laughs> now, having said that, when he's asleep, his snoring keeps me awake. I was thinking about buying an anti-snore pillow, but then I realised every pillow's anti-snore. <laughs> I hate gong shows. I've only done two or three in my uh, um, few years of doing comedy because I just, oh, I just, I'm such a cheapskate. I do not want to pay a train fare for the possibility of two minutes stage time. And trouble is, with that amount mindset, I've already been gonged off. Like that's true. If you that, go in, that's very... like selling double glazing by going. Well, you've probably already got windows you like. <laughs> but I've, oh, you know, forget it. Goodbye. Like you know, I've never, I haven't made a sale. <laughs> they are, I mean, they are they are horrible. They can, they can they can be really nice, but only if you win, and then you're like, yeah, I deserve this. But other if you don't win, then they're they're horrible. They're, I, I heard of an act who he either flew or he got the train down from Glasgow or Edinburgh or somewhere in Scotland, and he just specifically to do the London uh, comedy stores King Gong. And notoriously he, one of the most brutal. He opened with, "Oh, I've flown. I've flown all the way specifically from Scotland to do this." Instantly, every red card oh, went up. The no. gong went. He was sent on his way with no like joke of a second chance or anything. Oh, that's awful. If I'd been comparing, I would have slung him back on, <laughs> and then I would have regretted it because he probably would have done um, two minutes of um, racism or something. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, uh, okay. that's a good point. I mean, maybe that maybe the whole crowd recognised him. Maybe he's famous for having like really racist material, <laughs> and they were just like, "No." <laughs> oh, Gordon Bennett. Right. So uh, we had the jolly. It was the the Halloween show. I was uh, war panicking all day because it was chucking it down. You're like, it would be fine. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it, it really started to hammer it down about four o'clock in the evening. And and I was in the kitchen just going because me and Dan we, we inhabit this house together, and I was going mad in the kitchen looking at the rain full-blown typhoon <laughs> it was horrible <laughs> and can, can, can you paint a picture of what happened when the when the show finally started uh well it had it had stopped it had stopped raining for about two hours at that stage and the the f- i think three of the four acts had shown up to the pub and we were ready to get started and immediately it started to tip it down again the heavens opened, um, and yeah, and I, I went on. I was dressed as a vampire, obviously, because it's Halloween. Uh, my cloak was billowing, the rain was lashing. Uh, people had um, uh, parasols to try and shelter. They were being blown over. It was absolute anarchy. It's the most distracting <laughs> environment I've ever performed in. But I was like, sod it. We're here now, and that was everyone's attitude. And Jake went on, got absolutely soaked half of his set. The, the the rain stopped, and he managed to hold the audience's attention. And I think it kind of it was a chaotic start. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a disaster. But what it did, it bonded the audience and the acts because we're all like, because Jake just got on with it. Jake wasn't bothered. I don't think Jake even was aware of the weather. I'm glad to be here. I drove here uh, from Watford, and. Uh, <laughs> You just oh you're warming your hand. I thought you had a question. <laughs> you know, hey, what, what's Watford? Uh, I haven't got an answer for that yet. Uh, lived there for a year, still don't know. If, uh, but you're just warming one hand. I like that. Yeah, that's good. I love a gig with exposed flames. 
but I think it makes me feel safer. Actually, I'll tell you what does make me feel safer, the place that I parked under the rapiest bridge I've ever seen. What a fucking terrifying place that is. I honestly considered just Skyping in and staying in my car. You know what I mean? Just like, apparently, they just put me on the screen there. Hello! Why is that? I wouldn't have seen the sign, though, so... It wouldn't have worked out, we wouldn't have had as good a gig. <laughs> I like a gig sponsored by Coca-Cola in Amsterdam, that's all they've done. Just point out now, I'm not in costume, I am not Lieutenant Dan from Forest Park. <laughs> Sometimes people laugh too loudly at that. <laughs> Here's a bit of advice for you guys, whatever you do, do not cook burgers naked. Yeah, because they will take away your van. <laughs> it just bonded everyone because we were like sod it we're here now we're going to have a good time and there's nothing mother nature can do about it <laughs> despite the pandemic despite this storm that's just sat on top of reading uh but thankfully it blew over by the time uh, jake here off the stage we then had um oh, we talked about sally firth and uh, uh after the break mr spooky turned up a, a polite young man in a, a bowler hat um, who sings and who sang and danced his way throughout the audience, uh, obviously whilst respecting social distancing. He, and he wore his face mask. I mean, how he could sing through the face mask, I thought that was quite an achievement. Oh, I didn't even... Yeah? I, that didn't register in my head. I'm so used to seeing people in face masks. I'm like, oh, it's, it's not weird he, that he's wearing that at all. It, I can't get used to them. I, I just look up and I think people are missing half their face. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I expect someone to remove their mask and it just to be a... a blank area of flesh like that scene in the invisible man where he just starts to unwrap his bandages and there's nothing there yeah pretty much only with like a, a blank flat flesh patch um but yeah mr spooky may be bonkers but he is covid spooky secure um and then it, it kind of went a bit wrong uh, he, he said to a gentleman across the pool will you catch my hat and the bloke reluctantly agreed um he then flew through the <laughs> the hat full pelt into a woman's face um and i i um i smoothed things over by giving her third place in the fancy dress competition even though she wasn't wearing a costume <laughs> she did have clothes on i she, mean well, she, she had mr spooky's top hat by that stage so that, that's true so she was i, uh, I do love that juxtaposition that he's wearing the face mask to protect people and then flinging and then, the clothes yeah. he's been wearing all day at them. <laughs> if I throw my top hat to you, will you promise to catch it? No. <laughs> I'm not a good cat. I, I, I'm you really good cat. <laughs> and if it gets in the swimming pool, it's Ronnie's fault. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That, I didn't risk assess for flying hats. He did, sorry, mate. So, sorry, that's what, what's happening there. Is, uh, yeah, so. Um, Unbelievable. And then, um, Clinton Baptiste. We had a bit of a surprise, didn't we? Because uh, Jamal found us a smoke machine. Oh, that's right, yeah. I of was course. so in, happy in the with break, that. He just popped up like, I have the smoke machine. Is any of, of any use to you now that the show is nearly finished? Well, we wanted it for the headliners. It well. was a beautiful thing. That was... And then. Clinton Baptiste, I don't want to spoil any of his jokes, but he's in character all the time. We never saw the man behind Clinton Baptiste, really. He's a shadow, he's an enigma. Yeah, so like... He exists only on the stage. He all of a sudden turned up, you know, proper mullet, just as, it's as if he had stepped right off your television screen. Um, 
absolutely bonkers and he uh we we made sure i had to make i was under strict instructions uh from his agent that i was to provide an extra long mic cable so oh, he that's could right yep. walk out enough into the audience to talk to them um he had to have his music at the beginning and it i think it all came together and uh he was awesome wasn't he he was yeah he was a really really lovely on halloween as well to have you know a psychic medium themed gag yeah, so a, a bizarre evening all round at the, the Jolly Anglers, and uh, not even uh, Hurricane. Um, what should we call it? Hurricane Norris uh, could could defeat Stand and Deliver. Hmm. <laughs> not quite sure how to end this segment. That's pretty much it, isn't it? it? That's a review. That's a review of the last two shows. When's the <laughs> next show, Dan? I don't know. Is there a next show? Or I, I've absolutely no idea. I was toying with the idea of doing a freezing cold November well, show. We're locked down now, so but, we can't do that. But no, we, we can't do anything. Will there be a December one? Let's do an online. No, that's not. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> not to uh, besmirch anyone who's done online comedy. I think it's you know it's fine isn't it but I, I can't bring myself to do it for some reason although i've signed up to do an online gig for trevor feelgood um well-known nutter on the circuit um on i think december december sometime i'm doing it hopefully sometime. hopefully we'll be out of lockdown by then but um yeah i, I don't know i don't know how to do online comedy because i don't just want to see i've seen i've watched a couple we watched a show together didn't we and it was we a did, lot of yeah. people just sitting in their bedrooms telling jokes and i was like that'd be really funny if there was an audience. Like, if they did that in a club, that would have been great. Like, you'd, I don't know. I, I think the people who do it well, like people like Sean Morley, who do something weird and embrace the fact that you're on camera and you can put in effects and stuff. But I don't know. Well, do you think we should do a cookery show or something? I, Just really I, ridiculous. I mean, I can't cook. Well, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? That we should do <laughs> something. Like, we should just make make a dish that doesn't make any sense. And then, like... Oh we, my god! You could do yeah, you open the oven do, and you take out a perfect roast dinner. Could do a you could get a sponsorship deal. You could do stand and deliveroo. Oh my god! Brilliant! <laughs> Absolutely brilliant! Whatever we cook, we send it out to a winning audience. We do a little quiz throughout, and then we send it out to the winning audience member. Do you know what? We could try and <laughs> just get as many random sponsors and just spend the whole time just talking about. Have you tried this nail polish from Nailey McNail Polish? Do you know what I mean? Like just. To see how long it took for them to get rid of us. I don't think Naily McNail Polish need the need the sponsorship money. I think they're gonna sell nail polish on their own. That's true. It's a, it's a premium brand. <laughs> uh, right. So that was the review of uh, Stand and Deliver uh, in this post apocalyptic world. We are going to have at least one more episode of the Stand and Deliver podcast released before the end of lockdown. Who knows, if they extend it, you could get eight. Fingers crossed that they won't. But on the next edition, we're going to have an in-depth interview with Dan Collins, because he's my housemate. Um, We'll hear all about his life as an actor and a stand-up comedian and how, why and where he started comedy. And also, we'll hear about a rather chaotic gig he used to run at a hotel in Corby. So you've got all that to look forward to. But in the meanwhile, this is me, Rodders, signing off for another episode. Cheers and bye.